This is Perspectives, the show where an examination of our many differences often shows us how much we have in common. I'm Condice Presley, and this week, for those of us at WSB, it is indeed the end of an era. We're not saying goodbye. We're going to say see you later, enjoy yourself, have some fun, and a drink for all of us as WSB-TV meteorologist Karen Minton retires after 33 years of service here at WSB. And Karen Minton is our guest in the studio. Karen, thanks for coming down and spending just a little bit of time with us as you wind up an amazing career. Thank you. It's an honor to be here today. So when did you know that you were ready, that it was time? You know, I asked my dad that several years ago. When do you know? And he looked at me and he said, sweetie, you know when you know. I, I'm thinking, what does that mean? And I'm going through the motions over the last few years, and I, there was nothing that gave me a sign. And then about a year and a half ago, I started feeling it. It was, I love being here every day with these people. And they're not just people, they're family. They're my dearest friends in the world. Love them, laugh with them every day. But there was just some things like, there are certain things you have to do every day. And I'm thinking, I really have to get up at 1224 AM to do this every day. And it started to be difficult. I wanted to be with them every day. I wanted to do it from my front porch. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to go out to dinner with them. And I realized probably a year ago when I told my news director, this is it. I gave her a year's notice so they could find someone. Um, I knew I didn't want to do it anymore. I knew it was going to be hard to leave. And it's hard this week. It's really hard this week. But I also know in my heart, I don't want to get up in the middle of the night anymore. I've been doing this my entire career at WSB. And it's time for me to do some things I have not had a chance to do. So now when you hired in 30 plus years ago, did you did you did you always work mornings or how long have you actually been on the the morning shift which I remember when I worked morning radio it started out at 6 a.m. I had to be here and it kept getting backed yes. up and backed up and backed up because mm-hmm. everyone's commute started so much getting earlier longer and longer it's true I've always done the mornings at WSB I was hired in 1986 actually to do weekends and then there were two of us it was Glenn it was me there are only two. So I then was doing weekdays and weekends for a full year. A seven-day week? Seven-day week. Now, Scott Slade, we got him to come in and do Mondays. So I would do Saturday and Sunday, noon, 6 and 11. There was no morning show back then on the weekends. And then I would do Tuesday through Friday, morning and noon. But our mornings back in 86 started at... 545. <laughs> exactly. I have two 15-minute newscasts and then cut-ins during GMA and then the noon show, which was only 30 minutes. But as you said, with radio and TV, they just got longer and longer and earlier and earlier. And later, the noon show went to an hour and the morning show now starts at 430. And when there's bad weather, it sometimes starts at four. So the days just got increasingly longer and I realized I, I can't, at 65 years old, No, you cannot be 65 years old. Girl, you look fabulous. 
fabulous. You are fantastic. And you are Thank on you. television every day. I have a great makeup artist. And it's high def, and we know the high def camera is not kind to everyone. It is not kind. If you have a day when you don't sleep really well, the viewers can tell. They see it. <laughs> but I knew that I was ready a year ago. I said, I'll give you a year's notice. And you need to find someone and be prepared because it's time for me to go on to the next chapter and give someone else a great opportunity as I've had. So now you're originally from California. How did you find your way and your career to Atlanta, Georgia? I, I have a degree in biological sciences. I didn't go back to school for meteorology until I was working here at Channel 2. I took some classes here and there. But I happened to meet a bureau chief for KCRA in Sacramento, and he wanted to know why in the world I was working for International Dairy Queen. He says, do you love it? I said, no, I hate it. He said, come out on a story with me. So I went out with him and his photographer, watched what they did. When he was done and banging out the story in the back of the van on a manual typewriter, ripped out the script, handed it to me and said, now, Karen, read that as if you were sitting on the news set. And I did. And he said, not bad. He said, you should think about this. It's a fun career. The seed sat there for a few months, six maybe at the most. And all of a sudden, it was like I was drop kicked through the window. I got up and it was like God said to me, this is what you were going to do. This is what you were meant to do. Walked in, told my boss I'm quitting, moved back home with my parents, went back to school, took a broadcasting class, a journalism class. And the teacher, the first night of broadcasting, did a video of every student, dismissed everyone, said, you stay here. We watched the video, and he said, we're on to something here. Handed me the business card for Craig Prosser, who was the bureau chief for KOVR-TV, the bureau in Stockton. He said, call him tomorrow. He needs an intern. I did. He interviewed me. He hired me as an intern. Four months later, I got hired after interviewing and auditioning to KOVR Channel 13 Sacramento Weekend Weather. Knowing nothing about weather, I had to learn. And the producer of that show in the weekends said, you need to go out and report. I'm short reporters. I had to learn how to report. I had to learn how to edit. And then he said, the news brief is coming up at 10 o'clock. I don't have time to do it. You go anchor the news brief. The Weather Channel found me somewhere along the line after three and a half years, called me on the phone, and offered me the job. On the phone. They didn't say, would you fly out to Atlanta? Just, we want you to come work for us. They saw what they needed, and they decided they needed you. Yes. And then once I got here to the, the Weather Channel in Atlanta, then KOVR and several stations around the country started calling, and I chose WSB. And that's how I got here. I think it's important to note that you had an opportunity to make a career change. Yes. Found something that you really love to do. Yes. But you cut your teeth, you made your mistakes, you got it together before you hit the major market. Yes. That even Atlanta was emerging as a major market at that time. When so many of the young people we have an opportunity to mentor and to coach and to talk to want to finish school and come to Atlanta today. It doesn't happen like that. It just doesn't. And it, it shouldn't, I don't think. No, you need, and I've told every intern who's come through the Weather Center at Channel 2, go to work for a small station. 
Because when I went to work at KOVR, 20th market in the country, it's still the 20th market in the country. That's a pretty big place to start. Yes, it is. And we were a union. We were AFTRA. And therefore, I really legally was not allowed to touch equipment. But since it was the weekend (laughs) and the photographers and the editors and the producer anchor said, nobody's here, nobody's going to see, get in there and do it. So you had to be a little sneaky. But you were very hands-on and actually learned everything that you needed to know. I even learned how to back-time the show on a manual machine where you put in the numbers, back-time it, and then you type it all out on a little uh, cardboard strip. You remember those back in the day? And you slid them in there, and uh, it was crazy. And today everything's computerized. Where There were no computers back then. Now, at some point you did do the program. What's it, Mississippi, where the meteorology program is? I did. And that was in, I took two classes in 94. I had just gone through a divorce, raising two girls on my own. So I kind of let that slide. In 96, the news director asked me to please go back to school. So I did. From 96 through 98, 99, I was finished. And in the year 2000, I was awarded my AMS seal. So I did go back to school. When did you know that you were blazing a trail for women in weather? You're like one of the first. I wasn't, I was early on. It, the trailblazing actually goes even further back. Tell us. Um, I was hired out of college to work for International Dairy Queen. I was a district manager for five Western states. No experience whatsoever in fast food business or managing franchisees, for that matter. My boss decided that he wanted to take a chance on me, sent me to Minneapolis in the dead of winter for six weeks for training. I came out of there, and Chuck said to me, I was one of two women district managers in the whole company, Mm. two women, and there were no women managers, no upper-level management with women. I was one of two women. And Chuck told me, you are going to have to work harder than anybody just to be looked at as average. Wow. And that was kind of shocking to me. I had never really experienced that before. And so I did. When I came up for the job of, of senior district manager, I had to go back to Minneapolis. I had to go through training. I had to take a test, and I, I scored higher on the exam than anybody had ever scored before. They called up Chuck and they said, this is not possible. Anybody who looks like her can't possibly do this well. What did that mean? Well, I was kind of shocked. And I said, look like this? What it, what? You know, I didn't dress inappropriately. We wore uniforms. So I'm thinking, I, I'm just me. I hardly wore any makeup. So it was not, I just didn't, I thought that they looked at me as a, if you have a pretty face, you can't do this. So when I got into television, the news director who hired me wanted me to go into news. He said, I'm getting you in the door for weather because you have a science degree, but I want you to learn to report and I want you to uh, eventually work you into reporting and anchoring. Well, he lasted six months and was hired as a GM somewhere across the country. And a new guy comes in and he had a different idea. He said, He told the producer, anchor for the weekend, he said, I don't want her reporting anymore. She can't do any anchoring anymore. She's just weather, only weather. She'll never be anything more than a weather girl. (gasps) Weather girl? Weather girl. That's a very sexist statement. Yes, but that was back, you know, between the years of 81 to 84. 
we had uh, a young woman who worked at another TV station in town, and I can't go into what magazine she appeared in, but she kind of appeared in a magazine that would make people think of Weather Girl. And that was not a fun thing to come in to the market and have somebody in town like that. Um, it got to the Weather Channel, and the guys, there were a couple of guys that had attitudes like, you, you can't do this. And, I, and honestly, I didn't have a degree in meteorology at that time, and I still don't have a degree in meteorology. I have a, a broadcast certificate in meteorology. Uh, I've taken all the classes that meteorologists take. I just didn't go for the government, the computer classes, and more foreign languages to get that degree. Um, but I have all the courses necessary that the American Meteorological Society says you need these classes in order to become a member, and you need these classes in order to get your seal. So that's why I stopped and didn't go ahead and get the bachelor's degree, because I already had one bachelor's degree. Um, but when I, when I was here... Uh, at the Weather Channel, uh, there were a few of the guys that just really didn't think that highly of me. But after watching me and how hard I worked and how much I listened and asked questions and gained knowledge of things, I could go out on the set with them and go toe-to-toe on every subject. I knew every reporting station in the country what was going on at any given time. I was always prepared. When you think about all of the weather and the big storms that you've had an opportunity to forecast, is there one particular system or whatever that just stands out as being, you know, that's one I'm always going to remember. It'll be the mm-hmm. one that, that'll go in your book if you ever mm-hmm. write a book. Yeah. Well, I probably won't write a book, but yes, I have a couple. The blizzard of 93. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because there are only two meteorologists here, Glenn Burns, Karen Minton. The two of us covered it together. And I was here for days. Yeah, that was a, that thing hit on Saturday. That's when the yes. Marta bus slid all over the place. Yes. I remember that storm. Remember Jeff Dore hanging out on the street corner, yes. blowing sideways with the 75-mile-an-hour winds? Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. The other one is the Dunwoody tornado. I had to drive through that weather coming from Cobb County into Atlanta. It was frightening. It was about... It was, it was after midnight. I had my kids tucked in with my mom and dad. They were hanging out in the bathroom. There were tornado sirens going all over the place. Uh, Interstate 75, only one lane, the far right lane, had half of a lane open. The rest was underwater. And there was signage from Windy Hill that had been blown off by the tornado that had just come through. And I could hear Scott Slade on the radio talking with Kirk Mellish, who was here covering the storm and Scott was coming in I think from Gwinnett and I was coming in from Cobb and I was hanging onto the steering wheel like the little old lady from Pasadena hunched over the steering wheel and I was shaking just shaking because I couldn't see a thing lights were out everywhere there was no way to see and when I got here I actually had to sit down for about 15 minutes and compose myself I didn't want to go on TV looking scared no because then we would feel the same way yeah I always wanted to be on TV calm, reassuring, telling them what they needed to do, how to take care of themselves. But if I'm shaky and upset, they'll be shaky and upset. What are some of the major changes that you've seen over your career in the forecasting of the weather? Because it seems as if there's a lot more of it now. My goodness, we've had almost as much rain Mm -hmm. this year as we get in a year. Well, of course, our satellites are stronger, better, more powerful images come in. When I first started, we had, in fact, 
you can go. I'm going to post it today on my social media pages, but Brian Monahan posted it yesterday. We used to have a DIFAX that showed weather charts, and they would come out throughout the day, but nothing was current. It was pretty much old data. And I would sit down with my colored pencil and analyze the map, finding the fronts, the highs, the lows, the wind, the moisture, and all of, all of those things. Um, that's how we got our weather. We had a weather wire that popped out two pictures a day of satellite images and one with fronts. And then we had an antiquated computer when we finally got computers that took 20 to 30 minutes to render a graphic. And now we've got 3D graphics where you're standing on the set and I watch it, the, the forecast. It just kind of yes. pops up out of the screen. Yes. I mean, that's really cool. When we're on the air with a satellite image or we're on the air with a radar image, like it's raining today, the radar you see, that's happening right now. Right now, we get that info. The, the satellite images are updated once a minute, and the radar is live. So nothing is old. It's all updated. And the models that come in are updated every three hours. So we're constantly getting new data throughout the day. Some of them are updated every hour. So with better data and better, better technology, mm-hmm. you have better forecasting. Yes, and stronger, more powerful radars. You can see gnats flying around in mass. I mean, seriously, you can. It's great. It's it's made all the difference in the world. What are you going to miss about working? The people. Yeah. The, the people. Yeah. You're not going to miss that alarm clock. Though, oh, I no. Know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian Monahan says he's going. He's, in fact, Brian is you know replacing me on the morning well, news. Well, he's not replacing you. He is well, succeeding yes, you in the He is. He is. He's taking you're irreplaceable. The spot. Well, yes. you're sweet. You're no, very you sweet. You are. However, he says that on um, my first morning not here, he is going to FaceTime me at 4 a.m. <laughs> You'll be awake. Uh, I'm sure that I will. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any, have you thought about how long it's going to take to adjust to living the way traditional people live? I don't want to say normal because what's normal these days, but no, sleeping through the night. I mean, you know. I don't know. My plan is the first week I'm off is to not make any, I'm going to have no alarm set. I'm not going to make any sweeping changes. I'm just going to live my life in the day and see see how it progresses. And then I plan the second week to start setting my bedtime like an hour later than I would normally go to bed so that I keep pushing it back until I'm a normal person and go to bed at 10 or something like that. I know you'll be able to watch primetime television. I have not watched primetime television in a long time. You know, we have the, what, the Academy Awards coming up. I've not seen the Academy Awards in 33 years. <laughs> <laughs> at least not in real time. Not I mean, you in can real DVR time. it now yes. with the technology yes. and do yes. those things. So do you have travel plans, things that you're thinking that you, as you adjust to retired life, mm-hmm. um, places you want to go, people you want to see, things you want to do? I do have my first flight booked. It's a one-way ticket. Whoa! <laughs> yes, it's a one. It, I'll eventually come back because I'm not moving. Oh, but so, so it, we will still see you, you around town. Yes, I'll still be here. But I, I booked my one-way ticket um, to see my childhood friends, and we are going to get an Airbnb and go up and down the coast of California and have some fun. That sounds like great fun. Now your daughters are adult. Where are they yes. now? And will you you more time for them? More time for them. Uh, Kimberly, my oldest, lives in Las Vegas. So one leg of the trip, I will be flying in to see her in Las Vegas. I haven't been there since 1978 or nine. Okay. And when I saw Diana Ross 
at Caesar's Palace. Whoa. And her daughter, who is in the show Blackish, yes, Tracy was Ross. a little girl. And she was there. You know how they have those half-rounded booths there? She was there, and Diana Ross asked her children to stand up, and they turned and waved to everybody. And I was in the booth, like two booths down from her. So it was pretty cool. That's the last time I was in, in Las Vegas. All right, so you're going to go to Vegas. Go to Vegas. Um, and then b- before I even get to California, though, my youngest daughter, who lives here in, in Atlanta, she's being inducted into the Million Dollar Club in her company for bringing in a million dollars for the company in sales. And we are going to Atlantic City she asked Mama to come along Ooh. to watch the induction. So, yeah. And there's, I hear there's a lot to do in Atlantic City as yeah, well. So that'll be my first trip there. Oh, that sounds like yeah. great fun. Yeah. So now with, with two girls, that means perhaps there's an opportunity for you to get grandkids? Neither one are married. <gasps> so we wait. And you know, and I'm not in any hurry. And they say they're not in any hurry either. They're 31 and 28. Oh, they've got time. They've, they've got, got time. time. Yeah. I was 34 and 36 when I had my children. Yeah, my so. mom says that the only reason you have children is to get the grandchildren. Sadly, I've not given her one, but my brother has. And ah. She is the, she runs the family. So. Yes, yes. So when that's time, that's time. Um, what message do you have for your viewers, for the viewers who've watched you all, this, all these years on, on Channel 2 as you exit into... Fun time. Fun time. Well, one of the things I want people to do, because in the era of social media, uh, unless I have to post for work, I tend not to, other than my Yorkies and things like that, I see the unkindness. So I want people to be kind to one another. Don't be so quick to lash out at them, because you don't know what someone's life is like. You just don't. The other thing I want the message to be, especially to, well, anyone really of any age, but certainly to the young, young people who are trying to figure out what they want to do. Find what you have a passion for. Work very, very hard for it. Believe that you've already achieved it. And live every day as if you have. And never, ever, ever give up. There were people in my past, including my high school counselor, who told my parents, don't bother to send Karen to college. She's not smart enough to go. Fortunately, my mother didn't tell me that until after I'd graduated from college. (laughs) (laughs) Mama always knows. Yes, and I had an agent that I sent a tape to uh, before my career really got started um, who said, you're terrible and you're never going to make it. So you can't believe all the naysayers. I had an assistant news director at Channel 2 pull me aside in the hallway many years ago. We were still in White Columns Building, pulled me aside one day, and he said, you're the worst excuse for a weather person I have ever seen. And if I were in charge, I would fire you on the spot. Curious, do you know what that person's doing now? I have no idea. Probably not working in the yeah. industry. So, so I want to say to the people who have the naysayers, people who say, you never will be able to, you can't do this, you're not smart enough to it, baloney. If you love something that passionately and you work really hard at it, you give it your all and you believe in your heart that this is what you're supposed to do and you know you have the skill to do it, do not let anybody pull you away from that. You, again, live every day as if it's already happened. Live every day as if it's already happened and never, ever, not ever give up. Live life with passion and be kind to each other. Be kind to each other. I can't, I can't finish it any better. Any hobbies that you're going to return to or that you're going to now have more time to 
enjoy? I have stacks of books that right now I'm too sleepy. I fall asleep as I'm reading, so I have lots of things to read. I played tennis for years. I might pick that back up. But I also like taking pictures, so I may do that. I have my gardening. I have my little garden on my deck in my townhome, and I have my Yorkie, so I'm pretty busy with all of those. But probably just get out in nature. Just get out there and see things and travel. Um, Fred Blankenship said the other day I needed to post something about uh, my retiring, and I'm going to go and see what life has to offer. I'll look for adventures. Follow me. And then post what I find out there. All right. Well, with that, your handle will, will your handle remain Karen Mitten WSB, or are you going to change it? I think you should leave it alone. I think I'm going to leave it alone. I've been told I can keep my Facebook page and Instagram and Twitter, so oh. those, those will stay. Well, then we will continue to follow you, and maybe you now I'll just be able to have dinner at a normal yes. hour yes. and just I, visit. I would love it. I would love it. All right. Well, and I'm, I'm going to put me on your calendar for when you get back yes. your trip. And I'm very proud of you and all of your accomplishments. You are quite a lady. You're very kind. Thanks, Karen. Thank you. Enjoy. We're going to miss you. Thank you. I'll miss all of you, too. Perspectives is a half hour we produce with you in mind. If there's something you think we ought to be talking about, let me hear from you. Tweet me, my handle is Condo29 on Twitter, or leave a message on our Facebook page. We do appreciate your listening and hope you'll be back next week at this same time as we examine another perspective. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.